Thank you, Jesus. What more could we ask for than to be in the presence of Jesus, to know that he's with us, that he'd never leave us nor forsake us, that in our darkest moment, he's still there. He walks beside us. He doesn't just walk ahead of us or he's not lingering behind us, but he's right with us. And we know we have a confidence because he promised he'd never leave us or forsake us. And you know, there are many times when we think to ourselves, my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to make it. But when we look back, we realize the reason we made it, the reason we pulled through, the reason we got to the other end is because Jesus never left us. Amen? Jesus never left us. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, worship team. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, it's good to see some people here this morning. And uh, we're so glad that you could be here with us today. And uh, we uh, slowly see our numbers going up here. So we still have room. If you're at home, you've been thinking about coming back out, we can still take you. We are more than happy to have you here. And we would love to see you here with us, worshiping with us, celebrating with us, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, just enjoying being in the house of the Lord with God's people again. Amen. You know, if there's anything that this present situation has revealed to us is how much we need each other. You know, and uh, as the body of Christ, we need to be knit together more today than we did a year ago. We need to support one another more today than we did a year ago. And we're going to talk about that this morning, and we're going to talk about what it is to walk together, because we're in the middle of doing a, a series right now about the, the three big questions that everybody needs to have answered in your life, right? Uh, whose you are, who you are, and to whom you've aligned your life. Whom are you walking with? Whom, to whom are you connected to in doing the journey of life? And when we talk about uh, whose we are, it sounds counterintuitive, but when we're talking about whose we are, we're actually talking about our identity. And when we find our identity in whose we are, then our life is on a good foundation. When we're talking about who we are, we're talking about purpose. And we're not talking about identity, we're talking about purpose. God made each and every one of us with unique gifts and unique talents, which are all about us fulfilling the purpose that he's given to us to walk out in this life. Our identity is found in him, but our purpose is found in who he made us to be. Amen? And then finally, when we're talking about the question, to whom am I called to walk with, we're talking about alignment. And we're talking about aligning ourselves with other people in the body of Christ, other people who can walk with us in our journey. And then over the last few weeks, I've been just elaborating on that point and how we need to learn how to live in alignment with others. And the truth is that, you know, most people will, well, when you're preaching these messages, would say, yes, I understand. I get it now. My identity's in him. Uh, whose I am? That's the right question. Yep. And I know the answer to that. And then they say, yeah, I, I even have a pretty good understanding of how God made me. I know who I am. I know my gifts. I know my abilities. And I'm beginning to see my purpose and how that works out. But when we start talking about the third question, Oftentimes, they don't have 
uh, a proper answer. They're kind of like a deer caught in the headlights. When you start talking about, you know, to whom are you doing life with? Are you walking with in life? To whom are you connected? Then they often have a difficult time bringing forth an answer to that question. Yet uh, the truth is that we are covered and we are protected by those that we do life with. It's the way God intended it to be. We're to have each other's back. I remember one time there was somebody who was spreading a rumor about me around town. And Barry was livid about it. And Barry and I met, we actually were in the Starbucks parking lot up at the mall. I remember the conversation and Barry said, you just need to call him up and just, you know. And, uh, and I said, well, actually, that's not my job. That's your job. And he said, pardon? And I said, I don't have to defend myself. I said, that's what I've got brothers and sisters in the body of Christ for. Amen? And he said, you're right. That is my job. You know, we were talking about it. And, and you know, the reality is we get caught in our culture today, and it's all over the internet, in this fixation with defending ourselves. When in reality, it's the job of our brothers and sisters to come to our aid and to speak uh, on our behalf. Amen? We cover one another in the body of Christ. Every believer, I mentioned a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, needs uh, a spiritual father, mother, needs brothers and sisters, and needs sons and daughters spiritually in their life. And many people, the reason they're, they're struggling in their Christian walk is because they don't have those people in their life. They have no one to whom they're aligned with in their life. They don't have a spiritual father going before them, so the path in life is often filled with rocks and, 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 and you know, all kinds of divergent paths to straight, take them astray uh, to the left or the right because they don't have a father that they're following. They don't have a mother that they're following spiritually. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We need that in our life. And then many people, you know, when they do fall, they don't have any brothers and sisters beside them to pick them up and to encourage them and to help them come uh, back to their walk with the Lord. We need that in our life. And then we all need spiritual sons, especially as we get older, we get a little more responsibility in the body of Christ. We need spiritual sons and daughters, people who are making a demand on our life spiritually, who are drawing something from us that causes us to continue to always be looking to move higher up and further in in Christ. Amen? We need that in our life. Unfortunately, most people don't see the need for this in their life and they walk around as orphans. And you don't have to be born physically an orphan to be a spiritual orphan. So many people walk around and they're spiritually disconnected relationally with other people in the body of Christ. So our job, I mentioned about three weeks ago, I concluded that our our job, our task, is to live as a good spiritual son, to join hands together with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and to become a good spiritual father. Amen? Amen? All right. I won't do any more review of that. I want to move on this morning because I got some, some good stuff to talk to you about today. Everybody say, that's good. That's good. All right. Today, I want to talk about walking together. And uh, I want to talk about our alignments over the next number of weeks until Christmas season starts. And I want to start with the one that should be the easiest because we have a hard time maybe never having heard the word spiritual father or mother or being a spiritual son. And maybe that's foreign language. But the one that we've all are kind of familiar with is having brothers and sisters in Christ, right? 
So I'm going to start with that one, not because it necessarily has to come first, but because I think it's the term or the words or the verbiage that we're most familiar with, right? Is we're familiar with the concept of brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we're going to start with that one this morning. We need one another. Everybody say one another. We need one another. Now, saying we're familiar with the idea of a brother and sister in Christ and that we have a need of one another is no guarantee that we actually do it or that we actually have those people in our life. In truth, in the body of Christ, so many walk around as lone rangers with an orphan nature that they actually repel people from getting close to them. And our culture reinforces it because we're constantly told, especially south of the border, any Americans in the crowd, I apologize preemptively, but we're told that we're, you know, rugged individualism, self-made man or woman, that, that uh, this is how you get ahead. A this is what the country's built on. It's hogwash. America was not built on the self-made man or woman. It was built on the family. It was built on the foundation of a mother and a father and children and generational uh, inheritance and generational values being passed from one generation to the next. That is what our culture was built on. Someone say amen. amen. And so we have to understand that there are, there's a lot of mythology out there that works against us walking in relationship with other people. And I would hazard to say that most believers do not have anyone in their life to whom they've aligned themselves with as a brother or sister. They have no one to share their challenges with, no one to pray together with, no one that they encourage on a regular basis, and no one that they get encouraged from, no one that they challenge on a regular basis, and no one that challenges them on a regular basis. Yes, they have buddies in the body of Christ, but do they have brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Now, I'll be honest, guys. Women tend to be a little better in this department than we are. Boy, it gets quiet when you say stuff like that. <laughs> you see, because men, we could have 25 to 50 guys that we would hang out with that we'd be comfortable having over to our house, watching the ball game with, going out to the movies with, uh, you know, d going canoeing with. We, we, you know, our relational uh, capacity is very broad. We as men are comfortable being around a wide variety of different guys. But the level of depth that we have with all of them is very shallow. Just being honest. Now, women, on the other hand, the number of women that they'll hang around with that they're comfortable and spending time with and, you know, do, going, going shopping with or, or having coffee with is, is smaller. It's probably only a, maybe six to a dozen people. But they tend to go deeper with all of them. Now, this is not necessarily universally applied. There are some women who have a hard time going deep in relationship, and there's some men who, who maybe find it more natural to go deep in relationship. But as a general rule, men have a, a, a much greater capacity in terms of breadth of relationship, but don't go very deep. And women tend to have a much narrower scope and go deeper with those that they have relationship with. And because they're more comfortable in going deeper, they tend to have somebody who's willing to at least feel their pains with them. Maybe won't necessarily challenge them, but they'll but say, man, that, that must have really hurt. When guys get together, we never say that to each other. If a guy blows off some steam, 
We, you know, we say, well, just brush it off. Brush it off. You know, and that's what we want from our other buddies. We want them to say, yeah, brush it off. You'll be all right. You know, there's always tomorrow, right? That's the way we function. But women, they're willing to listen to each other and to, to you know, help each other many times in those journeys. And oftentimes, guys find that difficult. But we need to get over ourselves and we need to learn how to uh, do relationship with one another in the body of Christ. Whether male or female, we all need others that we can confide in and receive support from and who will challenge us on the issues of our life. If they see us going astray, that will speak into it, that will be there for us when we have fallen and help pick us up. We all need those. Let me just read a few scriptures that speak to our need to walk together with other people. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You're fulfilling the law of Christ when you bear one another's burdens. You know what I've found, though? It's impossible to bear one another's burdens if you won't un unburden yourself and share it with somebody else. I can't carry your burden if you're not willing to give part of it to me. Amen? The only way I can help carry your burden is if you're willing to pull some of it off and, and, and allow me to pick it up for you. Allow me to walk it out with you. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And so the fault isn't that there isn't maybe somebody who's willing to carry it with you. It's that we often won't actually give it up. We hold it all on our own shoulders. God never intended it to be that way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. So we're supposed to teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When was the last time you got together with your, your brothers and sisters, not in a church context, but in a relational context, and actually did some worshiping and singing together and praying together? Uh, we're supposed to do that? Well, that's what the scripture says. And that we admonish one another this way. Hello? Well, that would be awkward. Yes. I've discovered that many couples never pray together. They pray, but they don't pray together. And you know, I've never counseled a couple yet who is going through a separation or, or you know, the relationship was falling apart that was also a couple that was praying together. That before they get to the place where the relationship is becoming unhinged, they stopped praying together a long time ago. Are you hearing me this morning? But if you will go to the Lord together, if you'll pray together, even if it's praying for this need or that need, if you'll spend time together in the presence of the Lord, the enemy will not be able to divide that relationship. Are you hearing me this morning? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So as we get closer to Jesus' return, this generation of believers should be more engaged in supporting and encouraging and speaking to one another than any generation before us. Because the Bible says, all the more as you see the day approaching. And I don't know about you, but we're one day closer today to Jesus' return than we were yesterday. And that'll be true tomorrow and the day after and the day after. So every day we should be doing more of this, not less. Are you hearing me? 
James 5, 16. Are you ready for this one? Confess your trespasses or your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And we like to quote that last part, especially if we're going in to, you know, pray for somebody who's sick or whatever, but we, we neglect the first part of the verse, that the, the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man prevails because the one they're praying for has been vulnerable. They have exposed themselves. They've confessed their shortcomings and their sins, and they've been loved and supported and then prayed for, and healing has come in Jesus' name. But we're like vaults emotionally. We lock ourselves up and we don't share anything with anybody. And guess what happens? We get picked off by the enemy. A number of years ago, we produced a handout here at the church. And we have these at the back when you leave this morning. If you've not received this before, or even if you did and you've forgotten where it is, just says on the front, it says, for the word of God is living and active. And then on the back, it's got a whole mess of one another's in scripture. All right. Love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, stop judging one another, and on and on it goes. And the scriptural references for them. We'll also make this available online in a PDF. But it's here today. Take this with you. Put it on your fridge. You know, uh, stick it with this side facing out. And every morning, just, you know, for the next month, just begin to read over those passages. Pray through those scriptures that you would be recognizing that you are connected to one another because the word of God says so. Amen? Amen. Now, so we're connected to one another. Now let me talk to you about the, take this a little deeper. We need to be in agreement with one another. Not only do we need to find people that we can do life with and challenge and encourage, but we also need to learn the power of agreement. Everybody say agreement. Agreement. Alignment's not just about walking in the same direction. It's about walking in the same direction for the same reason. It's about walking in the same direction with the same purpose, with the same reason for walking in that direction. There's a little book in the Minor Prophets. It's the book of Amos. And it contains a verse that gets quoted a fair bit. And it says this, can Two walk together unless they are what? Or in the King James, this is how. It asks it like a question. How can two walk together unless they are agreed? Now, in the context in this passage, God's speaking about confirming the word of the Lord through his prophets, right? And God uses a series of rhetorical questions that uh, demonstrate that he has indeed spoken through his prophets. And the first of those rhetorical questions is, can two people walk together unless they be agreed? And he's saying, just as much as that's true, so is it true that I've spoken as the prophet. And then he concludes that passage and he says, you know, God doesn't do anything unless he reveals it first through his prophets. All right, so what I'm saying is that you have to understand in this context, this verse how can two walk, degree, uh, walk together unless they be agreed, right? This verse is the first in a context of a series of challenges or rhetorical questions that God's asking. But I think there is something on what he's asking here. He's saying to us that, that this is such a common understanding, a common rhetorical question that everybody seemed to understand you couldn't walk together unless 
you are in agreement. And God was also challenging them with the prophetic word that he had that we, God and his children, can't walk together unless we're in agreement. We need to be in agreement with his word and we need to be in agreement with one another. Now, I put that out there and people say, well, yeah, that's why I'm not friends with so-and-so because I just don't agree with them. I don't like their politics. I don't like their sense of humor. I don't like their, you know, view on parenting. I don't like their view on drinking. I don't like their view on, uh, you know, uh, how to effectively deal with poverty and culture and on and on and on and on it goes. And we take this verse and we use it as a weapon to enable us to be divided from other people in Christ. We think it's a permission slip for me to say, well, I don't need to be close to that brother or sister because I don't really agree with them. That's not what this passage is doing at all. It's calling us to walk in agreement. It's asking us to examine our own heart and to not use this as an excuse to walk separate from others, but to use it as a challenge to get past ourselves and to walk in agreement with other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is really difficult for opinionated people because their opinions are more valuable to them than relationship. Can I say that again? Their opinions are more valuable to them than relationship. And so unless they completely find people that are, share all their opinions, they can't have any kind of relationship with them. And the internet makes this, has taken this problem to a whole new level because it enables you to go online and to find that little subsect group that agrees with everything that you agree with. Now, they may be smattered across the entire landscape of the earth, but at least you found your tribe. You found the people that you agree with on every single little issue. So therefore, you're good now. You're good now. But the reality is, the Bible says better a, a, a friend nearby than a brother or sister miles and miles away. In other words, better for you to have somebody right next door that you have a relationship with than to have somebody who lives on the other side of the country that has managed to agree with all of your really narrow opinions. Am I making any sense to anybody here? Sometimes we just need to get over ourselves and forge relationship with the person that's right next to us in Christ. To support one another, to build one another up, and to be willing to swallow our pride and to look past what our little petty ideological ideas are that separate us. And I'm not talking about, you know, saying, well, my best friend's going to be uh, somebody who denies the existence of Christ or whatever. No, no. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. I'm talking about people who believe that Jesus died for our sins, that share the core values of our faith. But, you know, we don't need, you know, if they don't like chess, then who cares if they prefer checkers? Do you know what I'm saying? Like the, the way we tend to, you know, separate ourselves so that we can only hang out with the people that agree with every little single thing. I, said, I think is one of the most grievous elements in the body of Christ. Agreement is powerful. Now listen to another verse. We come from the Old Testament. Let's go here forward to the New Testament and listen to what Jesus says about agreement in Matthew 18, verse 19. He says, again, I say to you, if two agree on earth 
concerning anything they ask, anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, here, Jesus confirms the power of agreement. And he's saying that the success of our prayer lives in the kingdom of God is bound to our agreeing together. When we pray, if we pray in agreement, then we'll receive what we ask. That's the unabashed promise of God. Are you hearing me this morning? It's so huge that most Christians disregard this message. They, they think it's, you know, hyperbole. It's exaggeration. God didn't really mean what he meant when he said you could have anything you ask because they look around and they ask all the time for things and they think, and I didn't receive it. So they assume it must be some kind of a, a Hebraic uh, expression or some kind of, of exaggeration to get us to turn to prayer. And it is a bold statement. But I would submit to you this morning that when we don't receive what we ask, it's not because God was unable to come through or God had no intention of coming through, but I believe it's because he's handcuffed by our lack of agreement. Can I say that again? He's handcuffed by our lack of agreement. It is tough to get agreement in our world today. Just look at the election south of the border right now. Oh my word. It is tough to get agreement. It's tough to get agreement. But you know what? If you look at society today, you look at the U.S. election, let's look at the state of the church today. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Before, the, before COVID, <laughs> we worship together in great numbers. We praise together in great numbers. We receive instruction, teaching, and preaching together in great numbers. We even serve together in great numbers, but we pray only a few. Only a few. Who's playing me back? <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? We can, you can get people together and in, in an agreement for worship and for preaching and teaching and all that stuff, but prayer meetings, to come together and pray, you know, if we get 25 people here for a corporate prayer monthly, whoa, big night tonight. If we had as many people at corporate prayer as you have on a Sunday morning, revival. What we're asking for is just around the corner because we have agreement of the whole congregation. But when only a few come out to prayer, the biggest issue with that is that we don't have the agreement of the whole body. And they say, well, yeah, but I agree. I want revival. Do we, though? Because the Bible says, if my people will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then, everybody say then. Then will I hear from heaven. Right? Then will I heal their land. Then. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then. And the key is us coming together in prayer. Coming together in prayer. It's agreement. Agreement. Now, so we need to be together with one another. We need to be in agreement with one another. And then when we get together, we need to be solution-oriented. Everybody say solutions. Solution. We need to find solutions together. I want to read you a passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. Listen to this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward to their labor. 
For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. And again, and guys always like to quote this to their wife, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? <laughs> the one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, this passage of Scripture is speaking to the ability to find success, to find uh, solutions, to find victory when we work together. A month or so ago, Pastor uh, Mark Henshaw, he, he gave me a devotional that he'd read, and, and it spoke to me, and I thought, man, that's a, that's a good word, and I, you know, I'm going to have to use that someday. Today's the day. And the guy said this, he said, if you have a favorite sports team, it's natural to want them to win. How many have a, a favorite sports team? All right. It's natural to want them to win, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, hockey. You know, it's natural. You'll notice I didn't say soccer, but you know, it's natural for you to want them to win, right? Um, the opposition, when you're on the field or in the arena or in that battlefield of sport and competition, the opposition is the enemy. And when you, your team plays hard and secures a victory, it is likely that you celebrate. Winners and losers can be fun when it comes to sports, but not so much when it comes to relationships. Let me say that again. Winners and losers are fun when it comes to sports, but not so much when it comes to relationships. When we win relational conflicts, it isn't much of a cause for celebration. Why? Because in the process, we've inadvertently created a loser. And if one person is a loser, then we both lose. Intimacy, we both lose togetherness, we both lose empathy, we both lose so much more. Healthy relationships instead focus on finding a solution rather than declaring a winner. Can I say that again? Healthy relationships focus on finding a solution, not on declaring a winner. Resolving conflict, working things out in the body of Christ, uh, accepting and embracing each other's ideas, and then seeking a solution where we can have victory together, that is the objective of walking together in Jesus Christ. When we reaffirm that relationship is more important than winning the argument, relationship is more important than getting my way. Relationship is more important than being sure that I made my point. Relationship needs to take precedent. It's taken me a long time to learn this. I'm an opinionated guy. I'm shocked to most people here I know. I have strong opinions. I'm not going to give them over the microphone today, but if you'd like to find out what some of them are, you can come and ask me afterwards, and I'd be happy to share them with you. As long as you sign a disclaimer that you will not let our difference of opinion separate our relationship. Are you hearing me? It's nothing wrong with having strong opinions. What's wrong, and this used to be the issue, my opinions used to take, used to take precedent over relationships. My opinions used to be more important to me than people. Are you hearing me this morning? I had a difficult time being able to let somebody else be wrong. 
See if you see the humor in that. Because very seldom is anyone going to change your opinion, right? But the, the secret to relationship is to let them be wrong in your mind. Are you hearing me this morning? You got to let them be wrong. Everybody say it this morning. Let them be wrong. Because we all know it's not very likely you're going to change your opinion. So let them have their opinion. It isn't important that you change their mind unless it's regarding sin. Then we had to have an obligation, the Bible says, to lay ourselves across the path of their life and spare them from destruction. But if it isn't a sin issue, if it isn't a sin issue, then it's not important for you to change their mind. You can let them be wrong. And I know that's probably going to be the only thing you remember from this whole message going out today is I'm allowed to let people be wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's a liberating thing when you realize you don't have to convert their opinion anymore. You can instead love them, support them, encourage them, build them up, put relationship first. Everybody say first. first. That's why healthy relationships... They focus on finding solutions, on finding a way that my opinion and your opinion can produce something good for the body of Christ, that can produce fruit that's going to uh, just literally fall off the trees all around us so that we can take their strength and my strength and together we can forge something that defeats the enemy everywhere he goes. That's what our objective is in the body of Christ. It's to produce victory together. Because we found solutions together. When we put the health of the relationship and we value the other person ahead of ourselves, and when in conflict we're more focused on unity than we are in victory, we will create an environment where the Spirit of the Lord can move unhindered and with the power uh, pour out His blessing on the church and on His people as we've never seen before. That's why I want to close with one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 133. Listen to this this morning. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded, everybody say commanded, Amen. commanded the blessing and life forevermore. Commanded the blessing, life evermore. Where does the blessing get commanded? Where there's unity. Where we're walking together with one another, where we're walking in agreement. In other words, we got our eyes focused on the same purpose, the same objective, the same goal and where we're willing to let go of our own opinions, let the other person be wrong, or, or let them be right, depending on how humble you are, and walk together in unity, then God, in that scenario, has commanded his blessing. Hallelujah. We need one another in the body of Christ. You know, a lot of times the reason we're not blessed is we just aren't walking with anybody. Did you know the vast majority of the blessings in my life have come through other brothers and sisters? And only because I'm connected to them have I received the blessing that I've received. I received it because I was walking in relationship with others. 
And it unlocks so much. So it's time for us as the body of Christ to get rid of our Lone Ranger mentality, to break free of the orphan spirit and to find ourselves walking in relationship one with another. And it's more important today than it's ever been because right now and for the foreseeable future, there's a limit on how much of of connectedness we can get by just being in church. And there is a certain measure of that we feel. We meet people in the foyer, we have a little bit of conversation, we get some encouragement from the message, we worship together. And, and, and for many people, that's, that's only connect, the only connection they get, but it's enough to go from Sunday to Sunday. But right now, most people don't have that. And we need, like never before, for the body of Christ to support one another, pray for one another, visit one another, call one another, be with one another, and not leave it up to the pastor's We need it more now than ever before. More than ever before. Are you hearing me today? We need one another. We need to walk in agreement with one another and we need to find solutions, walking in unity, commanding the blessing of God upon his people together. Let's stand together this morning. Barry mentioned earlier, we would love to pray for you and uh, we'll put masks on and do all that kind of stuff and we can even stand several feet apart, uh, six feet apart, I guess it is, and, and do that kind of ministry. We, we, you know, it doesn't matter if we have to maybe talk a little louder than usual. We're willing to do whatever we can to minister to you today. If you would like to receive prayer, please do not leave without receiving what God has for you. Maybe you're saying that message has challenged me because I've never had that kind of relationship with brothers and sisters before in my life and I need God to do a work in me so I can walk in that kind of community. I don't know, but we encourage you to come and receive prayer today. If you're online, don't forget Pastor Mark. There's a link there for you. You can go on and, and every week we have a few people going on, but we would just love for, to encourage you online this morning to seek Pastor Mark out. He'd love to pray for you. He's at home today. He was feeling a little under the weather, so he thought, well, I'll, I'll just do it from home today. And uh, the link is still there. You can get on there. And he's got other people with him that you can pray together with and be encouraged. You can do that. We're making it available because we want to minister to you. So Father, we just thank you today for your commanded blessing that comes on those who walk together in unity. And Lord, in order for us to do that, we have to support one another, be with one another, challenge one another, encourage one another, all the one another's of Scripture. We need to, Father, also uh, be uh, a people who seek to walk in agreement with one another. Father, and then we also need to be people who, Father, recognize that we're to find solutions together that, Lord, it's not about being right. It's about being righteous. It's about walking in community. It is about understanding that people are more important than my opinions. And, Father, if you'll help us, I believe that, Father, we can see the greatest harvest we've ever seen in the kingdom of God because, Lord, we're willing to walk together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Have an amazing Sunday. The the altars are, are open. We bless you. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. 
We trust that you receive something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We bless